0: Uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa uh, earlier on today opened and addressed the 25 years of uh, democracy conference today and tomorrow. And uh, that conference is happening at the University of Johannesburg. It's centered around the themes of governance and leadership for socio-economic transformation, citizenship and identity. And uh, participants... Uh, come from across academia, organized business and civil society. And uh, they will be offering insights on how we can consolidate our democratic project and encourage uh, active citizenry. And uh, also, I guess it's an opportunity to reflect on uh, the last quarter of a century since uh, the democratic breakthrough of 1994 and the end of uh, apartheid and uh, the official review of the 25-year government report will also be presented at this particular conference. It kicked off today, and uh, joining me now on the line to speak more about this particular conference, I'm joined by uh, Kwezi Mabasa, senior researcher at the Mapungubwe Institute for Strategic Reflection. Kwezi, how are you doing, my brother?
1: I'm fine yourself? Uh, yeah?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good, I'm good. Just uh, give us, uh, I guess, uh, some... Brief background and context here uh, to this uh, particular conference. I, I guess it comes at a very interesting time uh, in our uh, democratic advancement as a country. And uh, what what's the purpose and the function of it, aside from taking stock of the last 25 years or so? And is it also an opportunity, I guess, to reflect on what needs to be done? What are some of the tasks that we need to take on going forward?
1: Yes. So the conference was convened by the Mapun Institute for Strategic Reflection and UJ. Uh, with, of course, the support of the presidency, and the main aim is to basically have a, a reflection on the state of the nation and the state of democracy in South Africa. So we issued out a call uh, for for papers a couple of months ago, and then we took in uh, papers from various contributors on the various themes that you spoke about, um, and then and then they've been they're presenting those papers at the conference. Uh, but we're also trying to balance that evidence. Um a rigorous research uh, aspect of the conference, which were with again okay, critical inputs from from various civil society uh, groups as well, so that we can get a balance between the research side but also from institutions that have also strengthened south africa's democracy mm-hmm. um and then the the other sort of aim of the conference is to draw from all that input uh and influence of course one um policy making but also secondly. Uh, to ensure that where there is further uh, research that needs to be carried out. Uh, it can be carried out based on the discussions. Yeah, and that's basically the, the main aim of the
0: conference. Mm. Just b- briefly, before we, I guess we get into some of the uh, key yeah. uh, areas of influence from a policy perspective uh, of this particular conference, I'm quite interested in that uh, 25-year government review, uh, which uh, is said to be presented at that conference, and uh, more importantly, what that is for some of us who might not be familiar with it, and yeah. uh, what function it plays in government planning.
1: Yes, yeah, so so um, the government presents uh, reviews. Um, uh, there was a 10-year review, the 15-year review, the 20-year review, and now, of course, they, they're busy working on the 25-year review. Um, and it's, uh, it's, of course, led uh, by the Department of Planning, Mon- Monitoring, and Evaluation. So today at the conference, we received a presentation from the department on the process that has been undertaken to, to um, consolidate the input for the review. Uh, but it will only be uh, tabled officially in September, um, and then that review p- focuses on a number of key social areas: uh, social cohesion, uh, socio-economic transformation, um, nation-building. Um, and of course, the state of governance in South Africa and how to improve that as well, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, and building yeah. the social compact. Of sure, course, yeah.
0: sure, sure, sure. And, and and talking about social compacts I, I'm quite interested, I guess, in the diversity of places many of the participants come from. Here, we've brought together academia, yeah. some of those in organized business, and even within civil society and government yeah. as a whole. And uh, what's the thinking behind that? Is is there an anticipation that you know this is not just going to be a talk shop? but that you want as diverse an array of stakeholders so that you can at least get some form of accord or compact emerging from this uh, kind of conversation.
1: Yes, we wanted to first get a good balance in terms of both research uh, in, the, in the academy and in the research institutes and also with the, with, with the practical side. So when you bring together both the researchers and the institutions that are involved in some of these key areas, you then get that balance and you get the lived experience of South Africans. Because sometimes what's written on policy and what's written on paper doesn't always resonate with people's lived experiences um, and the various challenges and successes that they face uh, in the specific sector that they're working in or in the area in which they they, they reside. So that was the rationale. The second thing was we wanted to um, ensure that we have diverse institutional representation um and because as we know South Africa is a country uh, that is characterized by um by a citizenry with a diverse um, institutional background, historical background, uh, intellectual background so we wanted to draw on that. And uh, the other important thing was we also had a lot of young and emerging uh, scholars especially african scholars who been work on various pieces of work to also present mm. um, because we do think there is value in getting youth reflection on sure, the past 25 sure, years sure. Uh, as well. So that, that's, the, that's the main, those are the three main um, factors that, are, that influence us to grow from these of mm. uh, institutions.
0: Yeah. Now, now certainly I guess, uh, least of all on my timeline, uh, quite a bit was coming out of that conference earlier on today and uh, some yeah. of the panels uh, um, at that conference. And uh, a lot of them speaking I guess on the interface between the kind of socio-economic uh, project of, transformation or structural transformation that's required in South Africa and whether or not we've been able to achieve that alongside, of course, uh, the uh, governance uh, experiences, governance outcomes, and even the outlook of, uh, uh, I guess, governance architecture, and whether or not it responds to that challenge of uh, doing away uh, with uh, the the kind of inequality that we've seen, the kind of uh, narrow benefit that we've seen in our society, and uh, the sea of privilege alongside, I guess, uh, you know, a, a... or this island of privilege alongside a sea of poverty that continues to characterize our, our country. What are some of the key things that came out of that discussion uh, that uh, certainly gave you food for thought and, uh, more importantly, uh, will inform some of the resolutions or or even, uh, I guess, key recommendations and insights that come from this conference?
1: Yeah, I think the, the first point was, I mean, we all agree on the macro, uh, social, economic and political challenges but what came out of the conference was that um, we need to find some sort of convergence around how to address them. Um And because we wanted a conference that is critical and that has different voices, so it meant that some of the presenters obviously disagree with each other and the divergent views. But some of the main things that came out was that the first thing is that although the country has made a number of gains on the social and the political and the economic front, um, um, and those of, of course can be picked up if one looks at research and interrogates various reports that does that doesn't necessarily translate into citizens' perception of the state of democracy in South Africa so that was one of the messages that basically the we need to ensure that um these gains um uh, permeate to the lived experiences of all south africans and that was quite interesting for me uh, that was the first thing um I think the second thing that came out as well um was that uh, the the intersection between a national and local governments, mm. um, and how that's important in carrying out key developmental uh, strategies and policies, uh, and and how actually we need to pay more attention um, at the subnational level in terms of of, of social economic developments. Um, the the third key message that also came out was this whole debate around the social compact. How do you get different sectors of society to agree on a on a, on, a, on a basic set of guidelines around uh, South Africa's development in the next five years um, and what constitutes sort of that, that, that uh, the, uh, the basis of, of those guidelines. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, the other key issue that also came out in the discussion was the role of the youth. Um, and not only the youth in terms of just socio socioeconomic um, uh, participation, employment and entrepreneurship, but also the role of the youth in governance. Right, and how the youth engage with politics, and what does that tell us about the future of the country as well? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that they came out from the various. Sure,
0: themes. sure. Question now, one gets a sense, and uh, I do know that Mr. has been involved in uh, quite a few uh, sort of um, you know uh, policy uh, uh, scenario planning platforms, and uh, of course also this uh, also being an opportunity to reflect on the past twenty-five years or so. What is it that we've learned, and how then should that inform how we act going forward? I'm quite interested in, in, in whether or not uh, you know, there's this perception that there's a duplication of efforts here, uh, and if you think about the Njulamiti uh, s- scenarios here, h- how does some of yeah. how does some of that work filter into a process like this conference, and 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 I guess in sort of framing and uh, mapping out some of the debates?
1: Well, well, I don't think there's necessarily there's not necessarily duplication, but mm. there are linkages between the various pieces of work that we do. Um, I mean, Indulamita in, in scenarios is based more on the research that are conducted uh, by Mishra primarily okay. through a large set of interviews, and then we use that, basically, data to try and kind of map out possible scenarios for South Africa. Um, I think this exercise drew on some of those lessons, um, but it was complemented by inputs from other organizations. And also, this was also more of a reflective exercise um, of the past 25 years rather than just focusing uh, for the future. I mean, of course, we will get to that probably tomorrow with some recommendations. Um, but I do think they're linkages, but not necessarily
0: duplication. Mm, yeah. mm. And uh, I'd love to hear from you as well. Give us a ring on zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven. What's your view on uh, South Africa in the last 25 years or so? What do you make of uh, the strides that we've made? And I guess where, where have we fallen short? And uh, in that assessment, uh, what is it that we ought to take from the last 25 years or so that uh, can inform how it is that we act for the next 25 years and uh, into the foreseeable future. And Kwesi, I guess uh, the the big question is that all of this happens in a particular context. And I'm quite interested in sort of uh, whether or not, as we look back over the last 25 years or so, some of the inputs were able to also reflect on where we are now on the 23rd of July in 2019 and some of the issues that we're facing, uh, be it uh, some of the key challenges between key institutions, uh, be it the sort of public enterprises minister and the public protector. And I speak to, I speak of them not as individuals, but as the institutions that they lead. Um, uh, right through, of course, to the challenges that we see at ESCOM uh, and many of the other state-owned entities. Uh, uh, was there any, I guess, uh, reflection and some inputs made in that regard?
1: Yeah, well, I think the inputs went based on the specific cases uh, that we've been refl- reflecting on in the past maybe just month or so, mm. or a couple of weeks but they were based on the generic governance challenges that we face within the states. And I mean, in terms of um, sort of the the whole debate around democratic consolidation, one of the key things that came out was that it will basically be impossible for South Africa to continue to uh, consolidate its democracy if it doesn't resolve inequality, unemployment, and, and, and even spatial development, um, and basically the structure of the economy. Mm. Um, and I thought that was powerful because... Um, if one looks at a lot of the literature and the debates around South Africa's democracy, uh, people normally laud the, the, the political sort of dimensions of, of, of our democracy and the civil liberties, um, um, but they don't always analyze them in the context of the economic sort of challenges. So what came out of this conference was that that's, that's very important. Uh, the issue around governance was was discussed, obviously, um, and people did mention that corruption is a huge challenge. Um and the the good thing was that it wasn't a, a state centric discussion on corruption, but it was also uh, corruption in, in different sectors of society, mm. and, corru- and corruption and corruption led by different uh, organisations and individuals. Uh, so yeah, those issues were, were were addressed, but within the context of the, of the broader debate.
0: Yeah, I mean it's yeah. quite clear, quizzy that you, you know if you look at uh, many of the dialogues and uh, debates and yeah. engagements that preceded the 1994 moment, be it uh, CODESA or even some of the debates inside the liberation movement and across society more broadly, uh, even, uh, I guess, the the fact-gathering exercise that led and culminated in our constitution, one does get a sense that at that point there was a very clear sense of the kind of tools we needed, one of them being that constitution and some of the aspirations and commitments therein. But there was a sense that if we had the right governance framework in place, we could be able to intervene uh, even in some of the challenges that you speak about, be it spatial inequality or even some of the uh, economic inequity that we have. And one gets a sense that, I guess, uh, you know, that optimism uh, isn't as uh, common as uh, maybe it was then. And uh, do you get a sense that, I guess, we have a very clear sense of Uh, what tools we have to have in our arsenal to be able to respond uh, to the ever-shifting and changing challenges?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of the problem, and this is a personal view of mine, is how we've understood governance in the Mm. past, which has always been a very state-centric notion of governance, right? Uh, Which always assesses and evaluates the states um, at different levels. But we also have to look at uh, governance in terms of uh, the relationship between state and non state actors, mm. both citizens and also private institutions, so we can have the constitution um, we can have the legislation, but you definitely need to make sure that um, non state actors also play a role uh, in restructuring the, the social economic base of the country um, and that's that 's the reality and I, uh, this notion that you know we'll just fix government and we'll just have elections, and then it'll produce all these positive social and political and develop and developmental outcomes. Of course, we've seen that it's not it's not necessarily true or doesn't produce the desired outcome mm. so and this even extends to what citizens are doing um in 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 their various uh, areas where they live and the institutions where they run or they operate outside of the state. Um, And we need to revive that notion of citizenship and active citizenship uh, to resolve some of our challenges.
0: Mm. What Uh, does that look like, Kwesi? I I mean, all of us can lament that uh, we've seen an effective demobilization of our society since uh, the uh, uh, early 1990s. Uh, You know, a lot of uh, the kind of local level active citizenry that we talk about, be it Uh, you know about uh, key issues that we're facing at a local level and even linking those to bigger demands. Uh, uh, In effect, many people would say there's been a demobilization. On the other side, some people would say uh, you've potentially had uh, increasing mobilization, uh, as fragmented as that might be, and uh, many people erroneously call that service delivery protest, but it's a wide array of protests about a wide array of issues. Uh, what do you make of, I guess, the state of play when it comes to active citizenry and uh, over the last 25 years or so, and uh, do you get a sense that uh, these two debates between them, there is some middle road uh, between the demobilization thesis and another thesis that says, yeah, we effectively mobilized, uh, be it around service delivery protests or any other issues that communities rise up against?
1: Yeah, I do think there is a middle road a middle road in the sense that I think that protest action, of course, is one form of of, of displaying active a, active citizenry. Um but we also know if you read development literature or anything if you go into communities and do some research, you'll find that people organize around key development programs, be they health, uh it can be small scale farming and agriculture. So people are engaged in forms of of citizenry that are outside of the protest sort of uh, narrative, Um, and we need to build on what people are doing um, and use those in um, to to address some of our our challenges in our communities. Mm. So I would say that 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 is the middle road. But um, of course, uh, in the dominant media narrative, um, uh, we we tend to focus on only the protest element. Yeah, Mm, mm,
0: mm. and Uh, and uh, you know, I guess. A key part of uh, any conference is uh, uh, some of the things that uh, are taken out of the conference. So just maybe map out for us what the process becomes. We do know that uh, there's a session tomorrow and then thereafter... um Uh, The conference will be closed by uh, the uh, minister in the presidency, Jackson Mtembu. But uh, just maybe, uh, I guess, map out for us uh, fully aware that, you know, the uh, Department of uh, uh, Performance Monitoring and Evaluation is playing a key function here. Uh, One would have an expectation that, you know, the conversation is not going to end here, but that there'll be key uh, issues and influencing touch points from a policy perspective that ought to emerge from a conference uh, of this nature.
1: Yeah, the first thing is that we, we, of course, would expect that the, the institutions that are participating in the conference, particularly tomorrow's session, where we've, um, invited business, uh, and representatives, representatives of labor and community from Medlec would draw on some of the rich discussions and implemented in their programs, um, and in their policy advocacy outside of the conference. The second thing is, um, all the, the, the discussions of the conference and the papers are also going to influence uh, the presidential macro-social report, which will be released later on this year. Um, and, also, um, and then we also um, are expecting different partners and different stakeholders, um, particularly those who are representing local governments and institutions that are involved in practical policy implementation. To also then take on some of the key recommendations from the com- from the conference uh, into their communities and into the spaces in which they operate, um, and this is why we invited the sort of the, the, the various stakeholders uh, so that we could multiply or we could have effects from all the, the the consensus products. The last one is that, and this is for research purposes, is that we will have also a a collated, edited volume of the conference at a later mm. stage as well. Okay. Yeah, just to, to draw on some of, of the key recommendations and discussions.
0: Okay. Quasi for some of those who may have missed today and uh, I guess would be interested in attending this one, is it open or is it, I guess, uh, shut already? Uh, just, I guess, uh, judging by, uh, you know, how uh, uh, how large the interest has been in this particular conference.
1: Um, well, unfortunately, the process of... of um, of 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 getting access to the conference was closed one or two a uh, couple of days ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's not really open for tomorrow, but obviously the the the, part, the outcomes of the conference will be made public. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Quizzy, we'll have to leave it there, my brother. Always a pleasure. Uh, to catch up with you and uh, a and, uh, big thank you of course for taking time out uh, to update us about what's happening at that conference, uh, 25 years of democracy conference, uh, looking at the themes of governance and leadership, uh, socio-economic transformation, citizenship and identity and uh, we'll uh, have to uh, pause there of course and uh, take a brief break and when we come back uh, we ask you uh, what do you make of uh, of course uh, the uh, presentations made before uh, the uh, judges uh, today in that uh, request to, to interdict the remedial action of the public protector uh, by uh, Department of Public Enterprises Minister uh, Pravin Gordon. I'd love to hear your perspectives. Give me a ring on 89 On the other side of this, we'll take a look, of course, at some of the key things that came out of that uh, conversation and more importantly, what it means uh, in light of uh, many of the other reports that the Public Protector has out. And uh, certainly a busy lady she has been, because we did hear yesterday uh, that report coming out on uh, the uh, Bancorp lifeboat scandal uh, involving uh, uh, an entity that later became APSA and the South African Reserve Bank. Uh, let me know what you think. You can also tweet us on at Metro Use the hashtag Metro FM Talk. You can also tweet me on at Let's take this brief break. That there was the president on Sunday, of course, uh, saying, "Andi teleli," he obviously a public protector. But that being said, uh, certainly want to take this matter on judicial review. And uh, of course, today wasn't about uh, uh, the particular matter that he has uh, with uh, the uh, uh, public protector there, uh, but uh, about uh, the issue of uh, uh province Gordon. Uh, his uh, uh, involvement in the the setting up of a uh, rogue unit at the receiver of revenue, and uh, I guess the council, therefore, the public protector coming out and saying uh, that uh, uh, some of the remedial actions implied in the report by uh, public protector Busizwe Kwebane are said to have an adverse personal and political impact on uh, the uh, minister, Minister Gordon, and uh, he uh, gets a sense, I guess, uh, according to his lawyers, that uh, they are erroneous findings. And uh, these are the findings that, of course, would have a personal and political impact on him. They will malign his reputation and adversely affect his standing as a member of the uh, cabinet of uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. What do you make of, of course, uh, some of the uh, allegations that have been made here? And in particular, I guess, uh, strange bedfellows, because we do know that, uh, uh, you know, the economic freedom fighters at some point had said, uh, that uh, I, we don't support this particular public protector, and uh, we wouldn't even encourage some of our own uh, people and our own members to, uh, I guess, you know, uh, 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 lay their complaints or place their issues before.